So we saw at first um, when we jumped uh, from verse, uh, let's see, chapter one down to verse uh, 18, um, maybe even a little bit earlier than that, uh, maybe 16, we saw um, uh, Paul's prayer for the church in Ephesus, right? And he said he wanted, he, he prayed to God uh, for spiritual wisdom uh, and, for, and for revelation of the knowledge of him, right? He said, Here's how I'm praying for you guys. I pray for, for a spirit of wisdom. I pray for revelation of knowledge in Christ, right? He also says, I pray that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened, right? And the question is why? He answers that in verse 18 through 23, he says, so that they will know and understand who they are, that it was all about identity. There's something about the wisdom, something about knowledge of Christ, and something about the eyes of our understanding being enlightened so that we could what? So we would know who we are, so they would know who they are. Let's start at 18. He said, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope that he has given to those he called. So it's not just so that we know our identity, but that our identity is tied into the hope of Jesus, okay? So remember, we talked about all the things that, that will try to define us, all the things that, that, that come out to try to uh, say who we are and whose we are and how identity is really attached to our action. Like what we identify as or who we identify as has a direct correlation with how we will act, has a direct correlation with what we will accept from ourselves and what we will accept from other people, right? And so how we identify, and listen, if you identify yourself as someone who's unworthy, you let people treat you like trash. You know, but the moment you start saying, oh, no, 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 I deserve better than that. I'm not trash. I know who I am. I know what I bring to the table. I know that I'm a good person. I know that I treat people with respect. So that respect should be given back to me. Once you start doing that, you start, you, 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 you don't allow certain things in your life. and You don't allow yourself to be certain, treated a certain way because you know who you are and other, everybody else got to understand who you are as well, right? Because sometimes we allow ourselves to stay in bad situations, bad relationships, bad dynamics, uh, bad business with people because we just just don't simply see ourselves as better or deserving better, right? And it's not a, it's not, it's not a pride thing, and it's not a I'm better than you thing. It's not a, a puffed up thing. It's just understanding that this is this is what I bring to the table. This is my value. This is, I treat people this way, and I should be treated that same way again. And it's so funny. You can always tell when people respect you or not, because the moment you start demanding or the moment you start walking in um, uh, your purpose or in your identity or in your worth, they start treating you different. They start acting like something wrong with you. And it's like, there's nothing wrong with me. I'm just living out the way that I'm supposed to be living. I'm just being the person that God has called me to be. I Watch this. Nothing's wrong with me. The eyes of my understanding have just been enlightened. That I, I have the spirit of wisdom on me. I have revelation knowledge of Christ. And the reason, and I have that so that I may know the hope, right? And so once we start understanding that, once we start seeing you, Mom, once we understand that, and once we get that, things will start to change, but it starts to change because we, because we see the value in us. And so, and, but listen, when I see the value in me, it also helps me when I'm helping others and when I'm doing for others, it's not just all about anybody going to treat me this way. I also understand the value in other people. Remember, Paul was saying, I pray that your eyes of like that theirs be open. Okay. And so that should be our prayer for other people. And so when my eyes are understanding, oh, and I know who I am, I then know the value that I can bring to somebody else. It's not just about how someone can treat me or how someone should treat me. It's about how I treat you because I know who I am. D- despite what my flesh wants to do, right? Uh, despite what my flesh wants to do or what my feelings wants to do, uh, I don't identify as my flesh. I don't identify as my feelings. And so no matter how you make me feel, you know, I'm going to treat you the way that I'm supposed to treat people because of how I identify. I identify like we saw in Ephesians 
uh, in our introduction, how many times he says in Christ or in him, because my identity is in him, I treat you the way that he would have me to treat you, not the way that my flesh would want to treat you, not the way that my feelings would want to treat you. Now, that doesn't mean that I allow you to treat me any kind of way, because again, remember, I understand who I am, and I understand how I treat people, and I understand how people need to treat me, but they'll, they'll start treat, treat you different. The moment you start walking in your identity, uh, people will be like, whoa, who, you, who Crystal thinks she is, or, or dang, why, you know, why Mike's allowing, you know, but, but you can't be worried about that. The eyes of my understanding has been enlightened, right? Now watch this, back to 18. Are we ever going to get through this part um, uh, in, in, in a reasonable time? All right, here we go. 18, um, I pray, it says, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope. Okay, so understand your identity. So once you understand the identity, you now get the hope, right? The confident hope that he has given to those who he's called. So again, the identity, I've been called. Remember, we went down that list of things to say to ourselves, I've been called, I'm loved, I've been adopted. And so um, uh, that'd be, that's in Ephesians uh, part one in the introduction. Um, uh, and so I'll make sure that that's posted too. I don't think I posted that one. Um, uh, however, I did record it, just didn't post it. All right, uh, to, to, to the hope of those that he has called. Watch this, his holy people who are what? His rich and glorious inheritance, right? That we are his rich and glory, glorious inheritance. Remember, and that kind of ties into what we talked about Sunday, about how we have this um, uh, uh, me first or me being the center of God's universe. Uh, no, God's the center of God's universe. And we are his inheritance, right? And so we're his. Now watch this, verse 19. I also pray that you will understand, watch this, the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believes in him, okay? So now watch this. He says, I hope you understand. So there, there, there's a power there. There's a, there's a God power, there's a power God has that is possible that we don't even understand the greatness of God's power, right? That God's, God, this is one thing that, 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 um, that we have to remember is that we don't know everything about God. And even the stuff that we know, we still can't fathom how godly it is or how great it is or how powerful it is. And that he is saying that I hope that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power, right? Watch this, uh, 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 for us or towards us or that works in us. Uh, are those who what believe in him, right? And so we've got to understand that God's power, right along with God's love, right along with God's holiness, is on a whole level that we don't even quite understand or can quite grasp yet, right? And I mean, listen, I, ha- I say this all the time. I have a problem understanding algebra two, okay? So if I can't understand algebra two and I can't, you know, listen, in high school, I didn't even take chemistry. Wasn't required, so there was no need to go through that stress because I don't, I can't, I don't, I, that's, that's not my thing, right? And math wasn't, science and all that kind of stuff, like, it wasn't for me. And so I didn't go deep with that, right? So how can I, as a human, who is limited in the things of math, mathematics and sciences, how can I even try to tell somebody else that I know everything about God? Religion sometimes makes us so arrogant and so puffed up to where we think we know everything and everything about God. Well, God, Crystal, God's not going to accept you for doing this and doing that. Well, you know, you, you know what, Anna, God isn't, and God's not. It's like, well, what do you know? About, uh, how much do you know of God? And you know anything about God? Do this chemistry problem for me. I'd love to see you solve it. And if you can solve it, then, then, then let's move on to something harder. But most of us are like, I don't know, it's a little, I had to be taught it, right? And so, and so that goes, so that we don't know everything, but for some reason we think with religion, we know everything, right? But Paul says, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us 
who believe in him. Meaning there's a part of God's power we don't understand, right? That we got to understand the grasp and the greatness of his power. Now watch this. This is the same mighty power. He's trying to explain this to him, that the power that, that God has that works for us, those who believe in him. He says, this is the same mighty power, verse 20, that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand uh, in heavenly realms. Now remember, we talked about how much Paul says in him, in Ephesians, and we talk about how much Paul says in heavenly places or in the heavenlies. He talks about that stuff a lot in this book. Now watch what he's saying though. Understand the great power that God has working for you. He is trying to explain that the same power that God has for you, right, and that God has working for us and working on our behalf, those people who believe in him, that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead Watch this, and raised him up and now have him seated on the right hand of the Father is the same power that God has working in our life. Come on, listen, the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is the same power that God, it's not a different power. It's not a different level of power. It's not a different dispensation of power. It's not a different level of power. It's not anything that you have to do. Well, let me live right so I can get more power. It's, that's, that's not it. That the, sa- the same exact power that God, I see you, Ma, the same exact power that God used, watch this, because we know that from the beginning of time, right, that God had planned out redemption for man, right? So the same power that from the beginning of time God put into action for man's redemption is the same power that he is using working for you and working in your life. Nothing different from it. So when you see how miraculous it was that Jesus raised from the dead, that the, how miraculous it was that then he walked the earth again, and how miraculous his ascension to heaven was, that when, you, when your mind is blown by that, you have to understand that the same power that did that in him is the same power that God has working for you. Can you accept that? That's the question. I got. Can you accept the fact that the same power that God used in the whole redemption story is the same power working in your life? And so the question is then, then what sin can you not overcome, right? Then, 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 then what mountain in your life can you not move? Then, then what thing before you is too hard for you to do as long as there's God's power working for you? There's nothing too hard for you. There's nothing too hard for you as long as, you, again, like he said, in him, for those of us who what? Who believe. So in Christ, there's the same crazy, great power. That's why my greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. Jesus said it, right? And so, and so that same power that is working for us so there, there, there is nothing too hard. There is nothing in our way that we can't overcome. Uh, not, watch this, not even death. And the same way that Jesus died and rose again, he has promised that when our life here on earth ends, that we will be present with him and that he will raise those of us who believe up again the same way. That's the confident hope that we have, right? That we're his inheritance. Uh, and we can't be his inheritance in the grave. Here we go. Uh, verse 19, I'll read that again. I also pray that you will understand uh, the incredible uh, greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. This is the same mighty power that raised Jesus from the dead uh, and seated him on the place of honor right at God's hand in heavenly places. I'm tempted to go back to that, but I'm not. We spent enough time there. It, uh, unless somebody got a question, something they want to add, then we can do it afterwards. Here we go. Uh, verse 21. Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power, or leader, or anything else. Watch this, not just in this world, but also in the world to come. So here he's establishing Jesus, right? Uh, 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 Here in the scripture, okay? Um, Let's keep going. Uh, He says, 
uh, God has put all things under the authority of Christ, right? And this is important. So when we start praying, remember we talked about authority and in, in, in speech therapy, right? And we said we speak from a place of the word. Uh, we speak a place from our place of faith and we speak from authority, right? But it says that God, God has put all things under the authority of who? Christ and has made him ahead over all things. Watch this. For what? For the benefit of the church. Uh, for the benefit of his people. So, so all Christ's authority over all things uh, 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 here on earth, right, has been given to him by God for the benefit of what? Of us, the body. Verse 23, and the church uh, is his body, and it made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with what? With himself. And the church is his body, and it made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere. That's verse 23 uh, with himself. Uh, let's see. Let's go to, uh, uh, okay, ver- chapter two, verse uh, verse one. Yeah, we can do this. So when, as we start this chapter, remember we talked about identity, right? And identity um, uh, crisis and things like that in the, in, in the introduction. So he's further drawing um, uh, comparisons here to establish our, our, our identities uh, and, to, and to help us understand who we are. He draws a comparison uh, between the old man and the new man um, in chapter two. Now, remember, we talked about identity and how it how you know it 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 benefit not benefit it it's a, it's a core it's a, it def, it directly correlates with uh and sometimes determine our behavior we act the way with what we identify with right we talked about that even a little bit today and so now he is showing that now, so in verse 2 in chapter 2 it's like well now that you understand who you are and now you understand that you're loved you're adopted that you're cared for God see you as holy now that you see all this stuff and you've got this identity down now let's draw a comparison because now that you understand who you are let's talk about how we act okay let's talk Talk about what that means. Let's draw a comparison between the old man, because some of us sometimes, even though we have this new identity and we have to, we have to take on the, we still have to put on the, the new man because we still operate sometimes in the old man. Why? To help us see who we are. This is why he draws this comparison, to break out of the old thoughts by identifying with our old nature. It's, it's literally acting like someone who you're not which also kind of goes into Sunday too, where we talked about Paul saying, you know, I'm confused by myself. You know, the good things that I don't want to do, I do. The bad things I don't want to do, I end up doing those. And so, and, and so what, it, what he is saying is, in here, how that correlates is the fact that we got this new man, this new identity. So we have to put off the old man so that we're not acting like the old man despite understanding our new identity, okay? Because we can do that. Uh, so let, 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 let's see, let's jump into it. We want to break our tie to the old nature. The old nature can, is, is what we like, uh, what we want it to be, my goals, my plans, uh, uh, things that we may have regretted, things that we're ashamed of, things that we're proud of, all of it, okay? So let's uh, jump right in and read uh, uh, chapter two, starting at verse one. Here we go. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, okay? So now watch this. He says, once you were dead, right, because of your disobedience and, and your many sins. He said, you used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. Watch this. He says, he is the spirit at work in the world, right? Uh, he is the, he is the uh, spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. Now, understand what he's saying there. Um, uh, he is literally saying that the devil, right, that that power that he has is the spirit at work in the hearts of people who refuse to obey God, right? Now watch this. All of us used to live that way. 
Now, remember, he's, when he talks about all of us should live this way, remember how important adoption was in chapter one. And he's drawn right back to this whole thing, like all of us used to be this way. All of us used to have that in our hearts. But remember, we all have been adopted, right? And so it's no good that you've done. You weren't born into God's holy family. You were adopted into it, right? And so we're all on this, started on the same path. So he says, uh, we all used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. We talked about that Sunday too. Um, uh, by our own very nature, we were shut, subject to God's anger, just like everybody else. He's spending a lot of time saying we all were bad. We all were sinful. We all lived according to our own desires. We all lived according to our sinful lust, right? And we were all subject to the same anger as anyone else. Here he is. He says, but God is so rich in mercy. And so now he's saying, but God, right, who, who, who is good, so rich in mercy, is great power. Um, and notice how uplifting and, and, and exalting Paul is in this book of God, right? Um, so anyway, but God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we, we were dead because of our own sins, right, even though we were dead because of our own sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. Uh, it is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For when he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated, watch this, and seated us with him, here we go again, in heavenly realms because we are united, what, with Christ Jesus. And in some translations, I'm reading NLT, some translations use it again, in him, and he, in Christ. And again, we talked about this in the introduction. Paul uses in Christ, in him, uh, uh, united with Christ. He uses heavenly places over and over and over and again in this book. So he says that you were dead in your sin, right? But God, rich in mercy, loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, meaning it was over, there was nothing you could do about it. It was over before it started for us. But because of God's work, raising Jesus Christ from the dead, right? And it's only by his grace that, that, that now he raised Jesus Christ from the dead and seated us with him, seated us with him in heavenly places, right? Uh, because we are united with Christ. Verse seven. So God can point us in all future ages as, uh, 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 so God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us. So as examples of, uh, as example of his incredible wealth uh, and of his grace uh, and kindness, his grace and kindness, incredible wealth. They understand when you talk wealth and money, right? And so uh, the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all he has done for us who are what? United with Christ Jesus, in him, in Christ, in Christ Jesus. He uses it again. But the reason he keeps using it again is because it's so important to understand that all this he is saying and all this as far as our identity is all tied to being in him. That without him, then there's none of this. It's all tied to being in, in, in him. And we have to repeat that to ourselves sometimes, that I'm in Christ. And we went down the list in Ephesians in the introduction of all the things that that meant. Um, um, and so it's once I posted, if you need to write that down and make that part of your declarations in the morning or in the afternoon time or at night or whenever you start to feel, you know, a little shaky about who you are and your identity and whether God's on your side, um, uh, we'll be, I'll make sure that we post that so you can write it down. Or if anybody took those notes, you can type it in the, in the uh, little chat box there. But I also will make sure that I, that I post it. Uh, where we at? Chapter 2, verse 8. Here we go. God saved you by his grace when you believed. Okay? So now remember... When in, in Galatians, he talked a lot about works and, and that it's not by works. And the Judaizers saying, well, it's, it's grace, but it's and works. We've got to follow the traditions of the Jews. He says, no, God saved you by his grace when you believed. Watch this. 
we, this is what adoption is all about. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. Uh, so none of us can boast about it. That's one of the hard, I heard a preacher say at one time, and it made so much sense when, when you put it in this way, that, that he, says, he says that Jesus, Jesus didn't die to make bad people good. Jesus died to make dead people alive. Okay. Jesus didn't die to make bad people good. Jesus died to make spiritually dead people spiritually alive. Now, part of being spiritually alive and the Holy Spirit working in us is that we then work to glorify God and we glorify God in our good works. But he didn't, and this is why that, 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 that transformation process we get so confused by with humans. Um, as humans, we get so confused with it because we get saved, and now I, I'm saved by grace. But then there's still this old nature, like Paul talked about, there's still this sin nature inside of me that still has to get worked out. And so I understand, I'm trying to go, well, why if I'm trying to be a good person, do I still do these bad things? Or why does this person, uh, you know, who's a good person, still does these bad things? It's because, it's because God made us alive in the spirit first, made us alive spiritually and then we work out our own soul salvation. Then the Holy Spirit is leading us, and then we start to see the fruit of the Spirit develop in our lives. And so I thought that that was a good illustration, that God did not come to make bad people good. He, uh, Jesus did not come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. And, then, and, and when we become alive, uh, then, our, our spirits are, then the Holy Spirit is doing its work inside of us, and we glorify God. Uh, and show this. That's right. Deliverance, changing mindsets. And as that goes on, we then start to glorify God and, and we become good or we start to do good works. But it only happens because we become spiritually alive. Amen. All right, here we go. Uh, you can't boast about it. Now watch this. We can't boast about it. Verse 10. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So we, here it is. So we then can what? Do the good things he planned for us long ago. Literally just explaining what I took 20 minutes to say. Paul just said it in one verse. Um, <laughs> that, that he made us alive. Why? He created us anew in Christ so that we can then do the good things he planned for us uh, long ago. Um, let's keep going. Verse uh, 11. Um, let's see. Do I want to go to 11 yet? Yep, I do. Now, matter of fact, I think what we'll do is we'll, 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 we'll read out through the rest of the chapter tonight. Uh, verse 11. He says, don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. Okay, so now again, he's talking about uh, identity here. And again, remember, Paul's uh, message is to um, uh, the Gentiles. Most of his ministry are the Gentiles, not Jews, right? Uh, So don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. Okay, let's stop right there. We may need to stop right there. Even, Even though it only affected their bodies, and not their hearts. Again, let's be careful at the things that we think make us holy or make us seem righteous or make us seem close to God. The circumcision literally only affected their bodies, he said, but not their hearts. Even Jesus said, sometimes they say, Lord, they call me Lord, Lord with their lips, or they say Lord, Lord with their lips, but they do not honor me with their what? With their hearts. That there are things you can do that may look like you're righteous on the outside, but it has nothing to do with your heart that's on the inside. We even talked about that Sunday where Jesus uh, uh, had the scripture with the Pharisees who were trying to test them and saying, how can they eat that when they didn't wash their hands? Doesn't that defile them? Jesus said, it's not the stuff that's outside that you consume that defiles you. It's the stuff that's inside of a man's heart that defiles him. And so, and so he says, yeah, they, they were circumcised and called you guys dirty, but the circumcision was only on the outside. On the inside, they were dirty, right? And so we can sit there and say, well, you know, um, um, you know I, I sing in, in, in uh, lead praise and worship, you know, uh, three times a week. 
uh, you know, three times a month or something, and, and, and they always call on me to pray and read scriptures in service, and I do this and I do that. It's like, oh, that person must be living so right. Look at all the stuff they do here at church. It's like, no, 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 that may not be the case. Like, they, someone may look this way, but the way that they look has nothing to do with what's on the inside of their hearts. He says that they only affected their bodies and not their hearts. Watch this. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from the citizenship among the people of Israel, and you did not know the covenant uh, promises God had made with them. Now watch this. This also right here, this part, uh, he takes this and goes all the way through, maybe not all the way, maybe halfway through maybe the first quarter of chapter three. Remember when we talked about the mysteries as one of the things, this is one of the mysteries that he's talking about as far as the Gentiles, uh, the Jews, God, God's chosen people the Jews, but it's available to the Gentiles. This is part of the mystery, something that was once hidden, but is now being revealed, okay? Nothing spooky, nothing crazy, just something that was hidden before. They didn't know about it. Now it's being revealed. Uh, let's see. Uh, you excluded. I think we're at uh, covenant promises God made to them. Uh, you lived in this world without God and without hope. Watch that. Remember, we talked about that you may know the glorious hope, right? Um, uh, in the in earlier cha- last chapter in one. Uh, verse 13, but now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Here we go, in Christ. You've been united with Christ Jesus once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the what? Blood of Jesus. Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles. So again, when we try to get into this whole, um, you know, they used to call it identity politics, but now we got this whole identity religion where, you know, well, who are the real Jews? You know, what was meant by Gentiles, you know, what people were migrated where, you know, we can go through ethnic studies, you know, if we want. But at the end of the day, it benefits very little uh, outside of just cultural identity. Right. He says, for Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles in one people when his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of the law. And, uh, with its commandments and regulations, he made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself, watch this, one new people from two groups. One new people into two, it, 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 one new people from two groups. Now, uh, I think we talked about um, the meaning of Gentile when, when, uh, in, in Galatians, so you can go back to hear that if, if you need to. Uh, together, as one body, watch this, Christ reconciled both groups to God uh, by means of his death on the cross and our hostility towards each other was put to death. He brought this good news of peace. Again, this is the mystery that is being revealed. He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him and peace to the Jews who were near. Now, all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. And we'll close out with verse 19 through 22. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with God's holy people. You are all members of God's family. Together we are in his house built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. Uh, We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. And so we're all part of the body of Christ. And so chapter three, we jump into the mysteries, even further into the mysteries. He kind of starts to talk about it um, here uh, with this. So again, so, hey, Russ, um, uh, Sunday, we're going to um, 
uh, jump back in. Uh, or Sunday, we're going to uh, be feeding the homeless. Tuesday, we'll jump right back in uh, with chapter three uh, into the mysteries uh, that um, Paul is talking about here in Ephesians. Um, I'll pray. And obviously, if somebody's got a question, something they want to talk about, uh, unmute and we can do it. Uh, let's pray. 